Hello and welcome to the 1106 of a second photography podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk about my flash photography gear. So one of the things I noticed very early on when I was doing photography is, in fact, I didn't notice it. I didn't work it out. It's just an observation, really, that photography is all to do with light. So if you don't have a lot of light, you've got two options. You can buy a high tech camera or the top of the range camera, or you can introduce more lights. To me, it always seemed cheaper to introduce more lights. And there's a very easy way to do that. You can either time when you're going to do your photography, so you can do it at the time of day where there's the most light, or you can do it outside where there's more light than inside, or you can get a flash. And to me, using flash seemed the obvious choice. It gave me the most control over when I did photography, how I did photography. It also gave me a lot of artistic, creative possibilities. Because with flash, I had control over where the light went, how the light was distributed, and when it was distributed. So I started to get into flash. And I've done other episodes about flash photography, generally metering. But today I'm going to talk about my flash gear. So the obvious thing is I have a flash. I have more than one. If you want to increase your flash power, you can turn it up to a point. You can move the flash closer to the subject. But that's not always the best idea. That's not always possible. And that's not always what you want creatively. So you can use more than one flash. And that's going to obviously double the power to a certain extent. And then after that, it's diminishing. So if you go from one flash to two flashes, you double the power. If you go from two flashes to three flashes, you don't double the power of the two you're using you increase it by 50%. To double it, you'd have to go from two flashes to four flashes. So you can see you get to a point where adding more flashes becomes very expensive and hassle and not worth it. Now, a flash duration is very short, so you deliver an awful lot of light, but it's economical because you deliver an awful lot of light for a very small amount of time. You don't deliver a lot of light for a second. You deliver it for a fraction of a second. That's why... A flash can output so much more light than an LED because it's not doing it continuously. It's doing a one-off. So the flashes I have, I've got a Young Neuro. I think it's a 568. Now, the Young Neuro flashes are copies of Canon flashes. So they're great for Canons and they are a fraction of the price. In fact, you can get a Young Neuro flash for about £30 or £40. It will be manual. It won't do much, but... To start off with, that's fine. And you don't really need the flashier flashes, if that makes sense. But probably my main flash is a Nissan i40. And that's good because it's small. The head tilts. It's got a built-in reflector and diffuser. It's a really powerful flash and it's really small. It doesn't take up a lot of weight and space. And it's got high-speed sync and it's TTL. I've also got another Young Neuro flash that isn't TTL but is high-speed sync. All three of my Canon flashes can be triggered remotely. They can act as a slave flash. I think the Young Neuro can act as a trigger flash or a commander flash. They can all act as a trigger flash when you put other flashes in slave mode. But I think the Young Neuro, the top Young Neuro one I've got, can act as a master commander flash. I don't really need that and I don't really need to trigger them on slave mode. Although it can be useful because I use triggers and I'll talk about triggers later. I've got two other flashes. I've got a Nissan i40 for Micro Four Thirds, and I will use that in conjunction with my Canon gear, and I'll talk again via triggers. And I've got a very small flash for Fuji system. So I've got five flashes altogether for different systems and different uses. Now you can use 
a flash for a Canon on other cameras. Sometimes they won't fit on the hot shoe and sometimes they will. But the way around it is you use triggers and most of my flash photography uses off camera flash anyway. So I suppose it's best thing to do is talk about triggers next. So my flash photography took off by taking the flash off the camera. You've got more control, you can do more things and you get a better quality if you take it off the camera hot shoe. So there are three ways to do that. Cheapest way to do that is to use slave mode. So you set them in slave mode. On the front you've got like, um, it looks like an infrared detector but it just detects light. And you make sure that's facing you and use your pop-up flash on your camera. That's the easiest way to trigger it. Now generally, if the brand is the same or if they conform to the camera standards, a lot of information can be sent using the pop-up flash. So obviously my Canon 5D doesn't have a pop-up flash so I could put another one on top. And then when I press the shutter, the flash on top or the pop-up flash will fire. That will be seen by the off-camera flash in slave mode and that will trigger it. So what you can do is you can get a cheap flash or use your pop-up flash and you can put it down to its lowest setting. And then when you fire it, yes, it fires flash, but it triggers the other flash and the other flash would be more powerful and not be at the lowest setting. So you don't get to see the pop-up flash or the flash in your camera in the shot it gets sort of overpowered because you put it on its lowest setting that's probably the cheapest way to do it now with my micro four thirds cameras that's how they work i can use the pop-up flash with the nissin i40 for micro four thirds and that will transfer ttl information across so i can use it in ttl now it's probably worth talking about ttl ttl is an automatic mode but i'm going to talk about that a little bit later the other way to fire your flash while it's off your camera is to use a cable. But the cables don't stretch very far. Cables don't stretch that far. And the cables and they can get not caught up and stuff. So they're not ideal, but it's certainly cheaper than buying triggers. And, and it's actually more reliable than buying triggers. And the third option is to use triggers. A trigger, get one, the transmitter goes in your hot shoe camera and the receiver. You put the flash into the receiver. It's like got a hot shoe on. And then... The transmitter, when you fire the camera, triggers the receiver, which triggers the flash. Now, the problem is, if your batteries run out on your transmitter, it's not going to work. If your batteries run out on your receiver, it's not going to work. If there's interference, it's not going to work. And the first triggers I bought were sort of £10 ones off eBay. They were cheap, but what was good about them was that they would work with any camera brand. And they would work with any flash brand. If you have sort of these universal triggers, you can use a Micro Four Thirds flash on a Canon, you can use a Canon flash on a Fuji. It actually has benefit in, in buying a cheaper set of triggers or a universal set of triggers. So I bought those. Problem was they were unreliable, they were fragile, and they didn't use convenient batteries. They used odd batteries and I couldn't get rechargeables for them. So I'd be out on a shoe and they would eventually run out. Battery life is quite good on them, but they would eventually run out or they would break or the top would come off. What do you expect for £10? But the, the key thing is when you're doing flash, you want it to be reliable. You don't want to be waiting around. You don't want to be diagnosing a problem. Once I was into off-camera flash, which is great, I got some more reliable triggers. And I researched the triggers and I got some Harnell ones. H-A-H-N-E-L, I think they're spelled. Just for Canon. So they only work for Canon. And they're called Tough. T-U-F-F. And they're not really tough, but they've got like a, a silicon outside to them, which makes them ever so slightly more waterproof and slightly more shock resistant, but not much. I would, they're just as tough as anything else. 
and they will transmit wirelessly TTL information, high-speed sync information, and they will also do rear curtain and first sync curtain. Now what TTL does is it stands for through the lens. When you use a flash and it's manual, you have to set it. You have to set the power output. With TTL, you don't. You have your flash and the camera does the metering for the flash. So the camera decides how much output the flash should give. So it has to send additional information. So when I was talking about my Micro Four Thirds camera, the pop-up flash would, would pulse essentially and transmit data via a light pulse that was picked up and deciphered and then interpreted and then it gave the information to the flash and the flash put out the right amount of light. It's amazing really, isn't it? It all happens under a second. Problem with using that is your flash has to be able to see your camera. So you can't put it in certain modifiers. You can't put it inside a modifier because the light won't get to it. Or you can't put it in a lampshade or out around the corner. The light won't get to it. So TTL is very good. TTL won't always be the answer because TTL can change. And you can do exposure compensation on TTL and flash compensation, but it's not always going to be the same. If you meter for, if you focus on the eye and that's where the metering is, if it's the black part of the eye or if it's the iris, you're going to get different flash values and you're going to get different output. It's not going to vary wildly, but it won't always be the same using TTL. So some people like TTL. I like TTL. It makes me work quicker and it's easier. Some people like manual. So if you want consistency, manual is the way to go. So with high speed sync, that enables you to get a higher shutter speed. So because you've got curtains moving just in front of the sensor, you get to a point where if you increase your shutter speed, not all the light gets through because of the cur the, the curtain, the curtains moving block it out. So you, you'll see like a dark area. So I think on my camera, I've got I, um, a high, the highest shutter speed I can go with flash called the sync speed is 1 250th of a second. With HSS high speed sync, instead of doing a continuous flash, it does pulsing. So it means that all of your frame is exposed. I think I can shoot down to 8,000th of a second when if I use HSS. Now what that means is I can get a certain type of look or really kill the ambient light. So if you want to kill ambient light, you can increase your aperture, but then you might lose something creatively. And also if you increase your shutter speed, it's going to get rid of ambient light, but you're limited by the flash sync speed. If you use HSS, then you're not limited and, and you can do a lot more. Problem is with HSS, it's not quite as powerful. It uses more battery and you need special types of triggers. But the Harnell ones did that. So they were very good and I got transmitter and I got two receivers. Problem is when using lots of receivers, batteries can go, you've got to work out what's going on. You do have added problems when you use transmitters. Is the transmitter incorrectly? Is the flash connected correctly? And so on. So those are my triggers. The other things I have are gels. So gels, you put them over the front of the flash and they give a different color. Now you'll see quite a lot of gelled photography or gelled flash photography, I should say, or stro gelled strobes. And they're quite the rage now. So you might have blue and red. And I do like gelling my flash. So one trick you can do is you can make the sky more blue by putting orange on your flash and then changing the white balance. So if you set your white balance to be cooler, it will get rid of the orange cast on the person. 
but it will also make everything else cooler. So you can do some really good things. You can get natural sort of skin tones, but much cooler backgrounds and stuff. And of course, you can have, you know, purple in your light and other things. And you can also match the color temperature of your flash to other things. You're in a room and there are traditional lights and they're, they're more orange. Therefore, match your flash output to, to be orange so it all looks consistent. So I have gels. I have two sets of gels. I have three sets of gels, actually. I've got Roscoe gels, which just sort of were five pounds and they just come in a box and they all have numbers and you just stick them on the front somehow. And I've got Rogue Flashbender gels, which come in a nicer case and are easier to attach and come with their own sort of band. And they're just designed a bit better and they're a bit more robust. And I also bought sets. So it's a flash grid and I'll talk about grids when I come to modifiers. And it also came with coloured discs that you put in. But unfortunately, the grid, the holder broke. So it's not really any good. Now, the big thing with flash is the modifier. You can just use your flash and it can be OK. If you point your flash at someone and it's on camera, it doesn't look very good. You get horrible shadows. You get something called harsh light. It doesn't look very good. Although some people like that look. Generally, the bigger the light source is compared to the subject, the softer the light is and the more pleasing the light is obviously you can't change the size of your flash head but you can change the size of the thing that illuminates your subject so the easiest thing to do is to point your flash at the ceiling the light fires at the ceiling and it bounces off the ceiling assuming it's white and it goes back down and hits your subject all of the ceiling gets illuminated and all of the ceiling reflects light on your subject so it's much bigger than your subject in re relatively speaking and that gives a nice light. And actually, when you do that, it's called bounce flash. When you use bounce flash, you can't tell a flash has been used. And it's really good for indoors, obviously. It just looks like, like your eyes see it. So it just looks like you're looking at the person. You can't tell a flash has been used. But that only works if you're indoors. And also, you might want to control the light ever so slightly differently. So you get light modifiers. And what you do is you shoot your flash through them. And they will shape the light. And they will also make the light bigger than if you were just using your flash. So the obvious one and the easiest one to start with is called an umbrella. So it's just an umbrella, like if it was raining, and then it's white, and that's the simplest light modifier. So what you do, open up the umbrella, you put the flash behind it, and you fire the flash through the umbrella. So the light hits the umbrella, and then that has a bigger area, and the light then travels through the umbrella, but it seems like a larger area is illuminated and they're called shoot through umbrellas so they transmit light through a bigger area thus making it softer and more pleasing now they're no they're never that good shoot through umbrellas they don't last that long they always break because there's a mechanism of like an umbrella they're a bit cheap so what happens i've got i've got a couple of shoot through umbrellas they frayed at the end the connectors are broke the materials popped off the end they're all battered but they don't cost much so you buy them knowing that they're going to break or get lost or get battered or bend, but you don't mind because they don't cost much. The next type of umbrella is a reflective umbrella. And I've actually got a two-in-one umbrella. My two-in-one umbrella, you can take bits off. It's slightly better than a shoot-through umbrella. If I take the top bit off, it's a shoot-through umbrella. If I put the top bit back on, then it's got a reflective side that points down. And if you fire any light into the umbrella, it gets reflected back out. So hence the two-in-one. It acts as a shoot-through or it acts as a reflective umbrella. Now, 
a reflective umbrella channels the light more than a shoot through umbrella shoot through umbrella light goes everywhere so you could use it indoors and while it would make it softer it would be bouncing off walls and things like that whereas a reflective umbrella channels the light and you can obviously get different ones you can get ones that are bigger you can get ones that are deeper and therefore channel light more so that's a two-in-one umbrella and I have those and I've got a Lasterlite brolly kit and that is a handle that holds an umbrella you put the umbrella in and it holds it in place and you can put a flash in and it means you can hold your flash with an umbrella in one hand shoot with the camera in the other you could even use a cable to sync them up or you could use a trigger and you can also put that on a stand and that's really useful because if you're doing off-camera flash with a modifier you either need someone to hold the flash and the modifier or you need a light stand so you're really not that portable if you have to do that so the, the brolly kit's quite good because it means i can do everything without having to have a light stand so i do like the last light brolly kit the next one and probably the most obvious ones after an umbrella is a soft box so this is essentially a box that is recessed that you put your flash inside there's no shooting through you put it inside it's lined with reflective coating and the light bounces around and then comes out the front and it will go through a diffusion panel so you can get them in all different shapes and sizes sometimes you put the flash in the back aiming out and there's still the reflective stuff the area that gives out light increases and therefore it makes it softer you can get big ones small ones you can get ones that go on top of your camera ones that don't but it will be better than a flash what's good about a softbox is it's more directional an umbrella may spill light everywhere a softbox and particularly if it's recessed and has sort of bits coming out past where the front material is it you'll be able to aim aim the light better and i would also class an octobox as a softbox so that is not a traditional box shape that will be sort of an octagon and it will be circular and you'll get nice circular highlights that's the other thing it's the catch lights as well so you get a nice reflection in people's eyes and you generally want a circular one so an umbrella or not to box would be good for that and most people don't even notice catch lights but they do make a nice image catch lights so the next one i've got is a pop-up ring flash and that's made by round flash and you can get many sort of cheap copies round flash came out a couple of years ago and it was a ring light and it was revolutionary and of course everything that's revolutionary gets eventually copied so you can get a cheaper one i bought the original and what's nice about a ring light is one when you get those catch lights they're completely circular but two you get a very distinct image with a ring light so with a ring light the subject is encompassed in light all around so you don't get any harsh shadows you get this strange look where you don't really get any shadows because they're being illuminated from all sides so ring light is very good for headshots and you get a nice catch light in the eye to do that you need to have your flash on the camera so you put your flash on the camera you put the ring light on and it goes around the lens so the lens fits in the middle and it goes around the lens now normally a ring light is a hassle what's good about this modifier is it is a pop-up ring light so it folds down and packs away and it's not heavy it's all material rather than metal and plastic and other things so that's really good i thoroughly recommend that they've also done two other incarnations which i've got and i've not got we'll talk about that later so the next one they did was a beauty dish now normally for a, be a beauty dish doesn't work with speed lights a beauty dish is a big metal thing that you normally have to put on large studio lights but round flash made a beauty dish that again is pop-up so a beauty dish 
gives softer light than a normal flash but it's a bit more hard edge so it's really good for sort of beauty shots it's just right for beauty shots it's the goldilocks between a large umbrella and sort of a small light it gives you know it will mean cheekbones can be well defined and, and things like that a beauty dish is not for everyone but for the right person it can give that really good look so that's really good because again it pops up and it folds away and it doesn't weigh anything and the third thing they've made is a strip light so it's a collapsible strip light now strip lights are good for controlling the light and illuminating and side lighting traditionally strip lights have been for studio lights and they've been really big and fiddly and costly but again round flash came up with a way to do it that was collapsible worked for speed lights but they were quite expensive so i did buy cheap knockoff copies and they're really good and i bought two knockoff copies for less than one of the original ones so round flash i've got two of their products and two knockoffs of their products i don't get to use the strip lights that much and the problem is they sway about but they're very good i've also got a very large parabolic reflective umbrella that's so big i don't get to use it very much and i have to use that for studio flashes only now obviously i've got all these modifiers that i've collected over time oh the one thing i need to talk about is grid i've got i've got something called i've got a rogue i've got a flash bender and a flash bender is a big panel that reflects light and you can put a cover over it so you just put it on your flash and it points up and you can change the shape of it and you can move it around and you can get you can make it smaller or larger and that's quite good as well trying to describe it um, on a podcast would be very difficult so i suggest you google it but essentially it gives you the qualities of a softbox but it's smaller and it's easier to put together and again it folds up so flash benders are very good and i've also got another product from rogue which is a grid you can get grids and you can get snoots and a grid has sort of holes that let light through and it just means it focuses the light to a very narrow beam so the light doesn't spread everywhere so if you want to do put a patch of light on someone you can do that with a grid you can do it with a snoot as well and your rogue flash bender you can fold up to make a sort of snoot if you want to so those are all the light modifiers so i've talked about triggers getting your flash off camera i've talked about modifying your light to give you the creative image you want but that's all completely useless if you can't place your lights in certain places so you actually need a stand for your lights and guess what they're called light stands so I've got three light stands, two are highly portable and they fold up into small packages and one folds up but it's not portable but it is bigger than the other two and it is a bit stronger and for that one I've got a boom arm so I can have a flash sort of up and to the right or to the left so it doesn't get in the camera shot but it illuminates from sort of above without blocking the, without getting in the way of the camera shot. So I can put my flashes on light stands with a modifier and get the photography I want. Now, obviously there's another piece of the puzzle. If you have a light stand and a flash and a modifier, you need something to hold it. You need something to grip it. So I've also got those on the end of my light stands and that could be a tripod head. Triggers and flashes have tripod mounts or that can be something that's a bit more specialized. So I've got a couple of things that are specialized. They attach to a light stand. You can put a flash on and also you can put a modifier in like an umbrella so some of the soft boxes i've got fold up like umbrellas which is very useful they're tougher than umbrellas but they fold up and they go in a tube once you get into flash you end up getting all this gear and i don't regret it for a second because 
I've got some amazing images and the gear is robust and tough and I use it again and again and again. I thought it'd be useful to talk about all the flash gear I've got, why I got it, how I use it and what I do with it. I'll just give an overview of my flash gear. The other thing I've got, which I haven't talked about, is a flash meter. So I've got a very old Minolta flash meter. I can dial in the flash power I need manually with that. And without a flash meter, you're just doing it by guess, really, unless you're using TTL. So a flash meter is the other thing I've got. And I think that's it for flashes. I don't think I've got anything else. Thank you. Goodbye.